0: Hello there, welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week I am your host Aaron Osborne, as always This is episode 31 This week, my guests, plural, are twins I'm strangely surprised I didn't talk to them about being twins really Um, too much My dad's a twin, why didn't I bring that shit up? Come on! Um, my guess uh Michael and Robert from Life Lair Regret Records. Um two dudes who I have uh known here and there through being in bands and playing shows in Melbourne um but I don't think I've really sat down with them for a conversation for that long and they just came over to my house and talked to me for quite a while. Um so it was quite nice. Um but uh yeah, we talked about the label and their life growing up here in Melbourne and uh Having ADHD <laughs> and um, the contribution they've had to the Melbourne hardcore scene, which I think has been like a uh, fairly large impact. I'm sure people uh, wouldn't argue that at all. It's been like, you know, I'd say they've been fairly inspiring for younger people um, and have really rejuvenated things a lot here, um, as far as I can tell. Um, and uh, yeah, have been brought up a lot by other people who've been guests on this podcast, so I thought it'd be good to talk to them, um, you know, to sort of cover some of the things that I've heard. Um, not that I've not known the answers to those, but I thought it'd be good to spread that along, um, to everyone else as well. Uh, so yeah, it was awesome to have a chat with them, got some insight into who they are and to why they do the things that they do and, um, what they have coming up in the future as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's the episode for this week. Uh, apologies for having a week or two off. I've been pretty slack over the last couple of weeks with real life things, um, but it'll sort of come back to normalcy over the next couple of weeks. Um, to that credit as well, should have another episode up next week. And then the week after is the live podcast at um, the Reverence Hotel uh, in Footscray, featuring myself talking and then... Patrick Galvin, Callum Preston, Matt Weston, and Kane Hibbard also talking to me too. So if you want to come out to that, that'd be sick. It's on Thursday, the 17th of December. It's two weeks from today. In fact, um, so starts at eight o'clock, get down there, listen to us, have a chat, ask us questions. um, Give me some shit about this podcast. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me how to do it right. Listen to those guys talk about the awesome stuff they've been doing over the last couple of years and what they've got coming up as well. Um, And then my friend Jamie Hay and Liam White are going to be playing after it as well. So come listen to them sing some songs. So yeah, that's all I got to say, I guess. This is the Oblivious Maximus episode number 31 with Michael and Robert from the lair enjoy it i did fucking brutal brutal all right
1: well, this
0: is welcome to my podcast do you want to um Well, your voices are pretty similar, so I don't think there's going to be too much way to distinguish um, which of you is coming through the same microphone. But uh, welcome, Robert and Michael, to my house.
1: Uh, Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: In your house. My absolute pleasure. Sorry for being on the other side of this fine city from you (laughs) and taking you a long time to get here.
1: That's right. It's closer than Canberra.
0: Well, fucking oath it is. <laughs> I know that's shitty drive. Um, okay, so the first question I ask everyone is how they got into music. Um, one would assume the story is different for both of you. However, if it's the same, one of you can share it.
1: Um, I guess it is pretty similar to for both of us. I think it's your yeah, generic skateboarding, finding alternative culture kind of thing. Yep. And then kind of build in on that, and to find in real alternative culture. I think like if we were to like draw it out a bit more, we like were lucky in that we had all um, the cousins who liked different things. Mm-hmm. So from there, we got into skateboarding culture and the idea of alternative culture. And um, like we played lots of sports as a kid because we were like ADHD kids. Mm-hmm. So we did football. Um, Michael's a junior life member and best and fairest winner are um, good yeah, yeah you would never guess that uh clayton oh ah, very proud and often, <laughs> often discuss it
0: <laughs> um. clearly i can tell <laughs> yes
1: yeah, so the sport wasn't our forte we tried football i did archery for a couple of seasons well archery seasons. was actually mad i don't know if i would sure. love to go back to that if anyone wants to do archery Hit us up and we'll come do it. Yeah, I mean, well, if anyone wants if, to give us like a hook if up. If you've got a bow and arrow. Because <laughs> anyone who listens to the podcast who can hook us up with a free bow and arrow. Yeah, I, we will trade you records. I watched Hunger Games and that kind of got me wanting to do it again. <laughs> uh, even though spoiler alert that last one, dog shit. Um, yeah, but I haven't it, seen it. Oh, it's so shit. I got so bummed. <laughs> two part movie is really annoying, but oh well. New Star Wars in like two weeks, so it's yeah, all it good. Did. But, um, so we did lots of sport, we did gymnastics, we did scouts, lots of different things to try and, you know, find a place where we could put our energy. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, from having cousins, they were kind of like, oh, you should listen to this, you'll like it, because we kind of listen to your regular standard fare of, like, Nirvana and the Ramones and Sex Pistols and Slayer and Slipknot, like those 14, 15, 16-year-old kind of bands. Sure. And kind of listen to local bands, like Carpathian, like The Prom Queen, Parkway Drive, A Nightmare from the Ruins, Shop and Blank, and we're like, oh, this is actually really good. And like, I can go and see this live and yeah. interact with it. And that was about 10 years, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, and ever since, it's just kind of been this hobby that we do. Yeah. Ever since, it's been a constant uh, challenge to see how much of our lives we can fill with it. <laughs> each year we feel more and more of our time with it yeah so i'm honestly intrigued to see what the next two year two to three years go if it just becomes a complete full-time thing
0: yeah <laughs> well it's pretty uh, it's one of those things that like i definitely have for me as well is that like when if you're like seeking out all i don't know alternative culture or you feel like you sit somewhere outside of where I don't know regular society or normal like like, I don't want to say normal people but like like, you know when you can use quotation marks like normal yes uh, yeah where 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 society conventional society yeah sure conventional society where that all heads I think when you start getting into that and then when you get invested into it like inherently you just put everything about yourself into it and I think that's something that like I don't know at what point that, I mean, it obviously changes for some people, but I'm obviously not at that point yet because I'm still like relentlessly fucking starting bands (laughs) and trying to do more, like doing this and doing anything that can take up all of my spare time (laughs) and irritate people in my life who I need to probably spend more time with. But I don't know. Was that like finding that alternative culture was that something that you both felt important to you obviously like you were doing these things extracurricular sort of things but was the alternative sort of side of it something that uh, drew you in
1: a hundred percent yeah like we were as a byproduct of adhd we're just always in trouble yeah so it was always don't touch that don't do that don't throw that at that person don't kick them don't wrestle them don't. yeah it definitely leads to like it like an idea of like othering like, you become the other, mm-hmm. because you have, like, this idea we were talking about before of, like, normal, conventional, or regular, or, like, regular people, and you have... Kids with ADHD, so you're always doing something wrong. Uh, for example, we have a Lifetime ban from Ikea that we got when we were kids. Really? Yeah, I mean, we haven't got called up on since we were kids. but like, Have you been there since? Yeah, we, we have been yeah, there. Yeah, been one one a opened near our house, and we've been there multiple times to so suck at Ikea. <laughs> um, I think we got that when we were like nine, because we just went into the ball pit and just kind of turned into WrestleMania and just beat the shit out of a bunch of kids.
0: Really? Yeah. Um, so what, what, I mean, I hope this is not, not, not like in a mean way, but like we just uh, yeah. had fun. We yeah. liked
1: to wrestle. Yeah. We did like to wrestle.
0: But like, so, okay. Um, I work with children. I would say it's probably safe to assume that 80% of children who have ADHD don't find out they've got it until <laughs> far later in their life. than nine years old. Um, was that something that was established in you guys early on? Yeah, and were you aware that that was something you had? Yeah, really
1: early on, and we knew that we uh, had a bit of uh, extra energy, a bit of extra, yeah, pep than everyone else. That's yeah, more gusto. Yeah. But, but um, <laughs> we also like medicated from mm-hmm. a young age as well. Yeah. Um. Thank you, Ritalin. Yep. for Getting yeah. me through school. <laughs> yeah. Shout outs to Ritalin. Um, but
0: did that affect you negatively at all, or was it? Well,
1: yeah. Uh, well. Later in life, I tried to take Ritalin again, mm-hmm. um, and I just got a lot of, like, after finishing school, I hadn't taken it for a few years, and then found with work, yeah. that I was having a lot of difficulty concentrating, so I tried to get back on Ritalin, and then I just kind of would eat one meal a day, and was really depressed, and got all those negative side effects. Yeah, wow. So, it was really interesting to see when you take something consistently, and then stop, and then uh, you it up gone. Yeah, it was um, an experience. Yeah, I bet so thank you but also
0: yep Um, so I guess I mean part of having that then so you were already sort of set aside from conventional you know (laughs) way things happened Um, how was it that uh, like the obsession started was it through like going to see bands and listening to bands or was it just through trying to seek out something different
1: I think we've always been obsessive. Everything yeah, I mean, we do, we... Like, a lot of people have ADHD in various different forms. Some people, you can just tell because you meet them and they're touching you, they're touching shit, they're playing with your car, they're always doing things. Or in sure. one story, they'll tell you eight stories at once. Yeah, they'll talk to you, or they'll start telling you a story, and then three hours later when they stop, you'll be like, oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> but for us, it was more of a hyper-focus. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if so we one got of into... the symptoms of ADHD for a lot of people is hyper-interest, and... For example, we used to be really... We had like a huge knowledge of skateboarding. And it could tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we were huge into video games. could tell you everything about it. Um, what was it before that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Probably like Transformers or Star Wars. Or yeah. Fall pits. Fall <laughs> yeah, pit locations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, from that hyper interest just kind of carried across. And then when we found this other world, like it wasn't just... I can't say if it was one or the other, but it's the mm-hmm. fact that, like, there is no feeling like seeing a band and just having that click. Yeah. And, like, having, like, live music, there is no, like, comparison to anything else. But then also having, like, this whole world within it and this history within it. Because we really like history as well. Yeah. So having, like... And Harko's got a really interesting history because so much of it is an oral history of if you don't know, then you don't know. Yeah, for sure. For better or worse... Um, so it was, you know, finding people and sitting down and hearing their stories and finding out about this and then they might mention something and then you go and find out about something new and something more.
0: Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, the way you're talking about these things make me feel like maybe I have some of these fucking <laughs> tendencies because like my, I have like a, I mean, it's not a secret, but I have, you know, like a crazy obsession with a number of the things that I... Uh, pursue the most obvious, blatantly obvious of which being my fixation on I Hate God as a band. Not because I just think they're the best thing in the world, but I am <laughs> like, it's one of those. And like, I've tried to explain it to people, and I probably sound like a fucking psycho, especially to people like my mum when <laughs> she used to hate when I when she would see me with a new shirt on and she was like why do you keep buying them? <laughs> I guess I, I can't stop thinking about buying them and I, I want to know everything about what tuners they use and what leads they use and like uh, but it's I think it's one of those things that like I think that is a byproduct of the whole alternative culture thing is that like as soon as I started getting involved in it and started getting invested in it then I was constantly thinking about it and constantly trying to be more involved with it and do more with it and again like this fucking podcast is like how can i talk to people about bands when i'm not at a show (laughs) like how can i talk to people about bands that aren't my housemate like i can as many people as i can speak to and be around this sort of thing as possible i try and invest myself in and it's i don't know it's it's something that definitely is like For me, I feel like it makes my life good, but I'm sure (laughs) to other people it's not great. But yeah,
1: I don't know. I definitely feel like it's kind of hardcore's fault for that because so many of the songs are about you can do it, you know, you can do this. And then you go home and you're like, oh, I can do something. Oh, like, shit, I'm not good at music, so I'm going to do this instead. And then you start doing like a zine or a podcast or a label, and then your whole life is just gone. Yeah. And then a couple of years later you're like, oh wow, I had all these plans to travel. I didn't go anywhere but to different cities and I saw a different bands <laughs> and now I have all these friends. Yeah. And no free time or money. But I have lots of friends and I saw some really good bands.
0: Yeah. Well I think that's that's another thing that I think like constantly I don't know if it comes up for you guys, but it comes up for me all the time, is that like I have way more friends than anyone that I no, that's not involved with this sort of stuff <laughs> and like people think it's weird and like uh, not weird but like a, a very uh, sort of confused by the way that I've come about friendships and the fact that like like I was having a discussion the other day and not that it's something that's on my mind but that like my sister recently got married it was a lovely wedding it was really fun it was like 90% family what? Oh, Probably not 90%, probably like 70% family. A lot of friends were there. It was great. However, if it was... If I was to do something like that, i It would be like... There'd be like 500 fucking people there because I'd want to invite <laughs> everyone that I'd ever spoken to because I was like, Oh, I love this person. They did this one thing for me. I'll, Remember that time we hung out and it was fucking rad? So, you better come to my wedding. <laughs> like...
1: Actually, (laughs) I've had a similar discussion with people as well about whether or not someone's my friend or an acquaintance. Okay. Because I'm like, oh yeah, like I went to a show and I talked to this guy, that's my friend. Or, oh yeah, that girl, yeah, she's my friend. And it's like, oh, how do you know her? Oh, like they do this thing once that I like and they like it, so we're friends. And it's like, but have you ever actually seen them in the outside world or have you done anything with them? Or no, but like that 10 minutes between bands, we had a really good chat. (laughs) Well, are they your friend or an acquaintance? And I'm like... I know, but I think they're mad, hey?
0: And yeah, they're, well... They're really nice, so <laughs> I like them. That's a good way to distinguish it anyway. Um, so, I guess to give this some semblance of structure, um, where where did um, things sort of roll on from you then, from being kids with ADHD to skateboarding to finding culture then? Like, did that lead to... Was there a culture of that in the school that you were attending, or anything like that? Or
1: yeah, at the time we kind of got into hardcore. It was massive. Mm-hmm. Like it was just on the cusp of when Parkway was kind of taken off, yep. so we could go see I arguably. Uh, arguably, obviously, like you can say that they're still taking off because they're selling out like you know, massive halls and all that kind of shit. All mm-hmm. well, those stadiums and arenas well, Oh, stadiums and arenas, either way. But when we saw them, it was, like, $10. You know, the, those fabled shows that every man and his dog talks about, how it was, you know, them just playing to you and, you know, your three mates. But it was, like, them playing for 10 bucks, like, local hall to, like, 150 kids and mm-hmm. having, like, 140 of them going batshit because yeah. they love them. Like, that was more or less when we got in, so that was... Around 2006? Yeah, the end of 2005. End of 2005. So, like, two thousand six. like, Champion had just toured on Broken Wings, had just toured, mm-hmm. um, like, a whole bunch of tours were coming through. Yep. Um, and Parkway put out Killing With a Smile, and that was huge, mm-hmm. and it went from being, like, this thing for weird kids to, like, regular, kind of... It became kind of the standard for alternative kids, so... Yeah. At the time... There was about thirty or forty kids at our high school who, in a, a level of about two hundred who knew who they were. Yeah. So right. when you think about it now, like if you go to a show and there's forty people there, you're like, "Fuck yeah, this show's sick." Yeah. When you go to school and there's like thirty, forty people who actually know, you know, one specific band of a genre, like it doesn't. The gravity of how big it is—you're not able to fathom because it's like, it was massive. Like, yeah, it was, like everyone, like was local into shows it. could do two, three hundred players. Yeah, like so. we would go. Like Depeafine would play One, Friday night, Berwick, Oh, sorry, Pakenham, Saturday night, and then you know Berwick on a Sunday, and you would have or all even, these like, local bands or... play like all of these local shows, which were ten minutes from each other. Mm. But every night they would play to two, three hundred. Yeah. Whereas here, if you have a local show, like if you have two in a month. You're going to have some dickhead on the event being like, oh, fuck, you know, why is there so many shows? It's always so crowded, you know, you've got to space them out. Yeah. But then you have three in a weekend, and it's like, that wasn't enough. You could have a, de- a show in the afternoon, and a show at night, and you mm. could sell both of them out. Yeah. Like, things were just a lot bigger. And alternative culture, but, especially yeah, in people hardcore, is massive. also interacted like a lot nicer as well. So you had more people, but you had a, a different culture about it, I I feel. But maybe it's where it's tender classes, but like... I, like, I didn't feel like there was as many issues then as I had to deal with now. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd have more people dance, but you'd have everyone dance. Yeah. Whereas now, I go to a show with, those was just saying, like, 40 pays, and I'm like, oh, this is so sick. <clears throat> like, we're going to cover costs, maybe I can pay some bands, awesome. And then you'll have five guys that'll just hit everyone in the room, and you're like, oh, yeah, the show is really good, I did get to pay my friend but then my other friend got their face punched and that's kind of not mad. Uh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I, I think... I don't know. It's it's one of those things, too. I think a lot of people get... I don't know whether this is true or not, but I feel like a lot of people get trapped in things, too, where they think... They get trapped in a time and then they go to something that's sort of... The environment that that has changed, but all they want to do is relive the time that they remember. Mm. So they go to it and, you know sometimes can be kind of a bull in a china shop where you don't notice your surroundings (laughs) and you don't understand what's happening at the thing you're doing and sort of um fuck it up for everybody but um that's for them to deal with but um yeah i don't know it's i think yeah the same thing is definitely true of when i first started playing in hardcore bands was i mean around that time if not slightly earlier but when but I'd come from playing in metal bands and so prior to that I was in a totally different thing where I came from playing music that the only people that moved were up the front all they did was headbang and spill beer everywhere and if you were underage you had to get dropped off by the show by your mum and then she'd have to take you as soon as you finished playing so you couldn't stay there (laughs) And then I started playing in a hardcore band and it was like, oh, there's all ages shows are still a thing. That's not just what you do when you're in school. Like people actually do that, which is great. Cause it means my mom doesn't have to stay here <laughs> and I can stay for the whole time. And people aren't offering me heroin out the back of the shows, which <laughs> has happened to me. But like it was definitely, a th- and you know, And a thing as well, even in Canberra, which is like a far smaller place than here or, you know, Sydney or wherever. But that was definitely still happening there as well. Like, I would say the same thing when that sort of stuff, Parkway and all that sort of started rolling a bit bigger than where anyone else really here had before. It meant that you could play shows with like a couple hundred people at them. And it was like crazy for that it was an all ages thing and that it was with, there were adults there and there were kids there and you know, no one was really, I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys see it the same way as I do, but I kind of see it as one of those things. Like there definitely wasn't as many problems then, but there probably was like, I have discussed this a lot. And I think the
1: conclusion I've kind of come to is that it's all about who do you know and who people are friends with. Yeah. So, If I'm dancing, I punch you in the face, you're going to be like, well, that guy's a prick. Mm -hmm. But if I'm dancing, I punch Robert in the face, he's going to be like, oh, Michael's having a good night. Look at him have a go. Like, I think maybe previously people were a lot more friendly with each other and they kind of knew each other's limitations. Whereas now you have a lot more segregation. So you have people not knowing each other and that causes friction between the groups. So -hmm. when you have, you know, someone from group A hitting someone from group B, it, it doesn't really work out as opposed to previously when you'd have everyone just as group A. Yeah. Like, there's thousands of different reasons you can come up for it. Yeah, I so of I also think it's because now we've kind of changed what we're doing a bit more. So, as we used to just go, and it'd be the average punter would go in, would pay our money, and would watch a band and be like, This is awesome. I really enjoyed this. I just spent all the money I made working at Coles and I got a few t shirts and I got some CDs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, my batteries don't die and my you play on the way home so I can <laughs> listen to them. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> But whereas now we're like, oh, but like running the show. So well running certain shows sometimes. So we're thinking more, oh, if something goes wrong, what do I have to do? Oh, you know, this happened. All right. How am I going to do with that? Or this person is make, doing this that's making those people feel uncomfortable. How do I deal with the situation? Yeah. So it's a lot more. I it used to be just turn up at doors, enjoy. Like we'd stand there and talk to each other and go home or talk to each other about how good that was. Whereas now we go, we get there early, you set everything up, hope people turn up, deal with any issues, pack everything down, and then go home. So there's a lot more a lot more to it, I think. Uh, maybe it's not rose-tinted glasses, maybe, maybe it's because our interaction with it has changed. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're a lot more parental now, so that we're constantly looking out for, oh, who's doing what? Oh, what's happening? Oh, I hope everyone's enjoying it. Mm. As before we didn't give a shit, because we didn't know anyone. It was just us watching, you know four people on stage, five people on stage, six people on stage. That was the only focus. Yeah. There wasn't this you know, broad spectrum of, oh, is people coming through the door. Oh, is that yeah, there's responsibility that? added to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and it's to a, a certain point can kind of take away a bit of the fun and enjoyment of it, but the fact that you know that everyone is in a room because you got off your ass and actually booked something, I think it's kind of worth it.
0: Yeah. So when, when did sort of involvement start uh i guess involvement beyond just uh you know viewing when did participating in that sort of thing become something that you guys are interested in doing
1: i guess we kind of swapped from being passive to a lot more active when we first started doing our zine Mm -hmm. um which was five or six years ago i think 2009 Mm -hmm. because when we first started uni and for anyone who just starts uni you're going to notice you're going to get a lot more time on your hands but you also feel really motivated as well because you go to uni classes and uni classes is kind of like hardcore in the fact that like you go and they're like oh you can change the world well depending on what you study I studied social work so every class was like you can make a difference you can change the world you're going to fix everything (laughs) so I'd go to uni I'd get like real G'd up and I'd be like man I'm going to make a difference like Hardcore is going to be my vehicle that I can try and use to change the world. And so we tried. Yeah, yeah. so we started um, It's Still Okay Enough to Drink Fanzine in 2009. And that's where we really started kind of branching out. Because previous to then, we'd kind of gone like, I don't know, I think the first, four or five years. Yeah, the first four or five years we went to we shows, did. we didn't talk to anyone else Yeah, yeah about wow. each other. And then we kind of not because we like didn't want to, just because we were happy. Yeah, yeah. like we—that's how we'd grown up. Like when we'd played other sports, when we'd done other things, we just kind of like stuck to each other because that's just what we were used to. I guess like that whole thing of like other in and all of that other stuff. Like you're used to just all right, that's the other person who looks like me. I'll find them and we'll talk about things. And then we'll go home together and then we'll wake up and talk about the thing that we saw last night. And then we'll play video games and then we'll talk about that show we went to last <laughs> night. Then we'll play this. Then we'll listen to the CD we bought last night. And we'll talk about if it was, you know, a good like, purchase. Then we kind of had, like we were talking about earlier, how we had, you know, people from high school you could go with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of, I wouldn't say outgrew them, but we kept going to shows and they kind of like, yeah. for better or worse, started doing other things. Sure. So I've had, like,
0: I had the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, like for
1: like some people like going to shows makes sense to other people sitting at home listening to music yeah it's more enjoyable people, like, some people just go on to do like other amazing shit Sure, yeah. like yeah everyone's got a different path but like so we kind of grew people and then so this was just back to us again and then we kind of started meeting other people and talking to, like other people like we started talking to donch and he was really nice and he was out from our way and then like through him we talked to some of his friends and then we kind of and i don't know, started talking to some other people as well and yeah, then it goes kind of snowboard because you meet one person and they're friends with someone and then that person has a friend and then that person has a friend and then that person's friends with that band. So then you'll watch them. And, and then, then there'll like, be you know, five guys in that band. So you might talk to one or two of them. Yeah. Or somebody some, yeah, might be like, oh, are you guys going to dinner after the show? And you're like, Oh, yeah, i got no plans. So you might go to dinner and talk to ten people there and you're like, oh, this is really nice. And then Yeah. If you're doing a zine, you might be like, oh, I really like your band. Could I interview you? hmm And then from that, you might find a band they're friends with and just kind of accidentally branch. Yeah. Like, there was never any intention to.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's... I mean, that's certainly how I... I mean, not the reason I moved here, but it, it sort of made moving here very easy for me, was that through playing shows and through coming here a lot, I met people from just doing things. That meant that when I came here it wasn't the scariest fucking thing in the world. It was like, it was fine that I was here. And like, if anything, that's an advantage that being a part of this sort of culture has, is that like, I know for instance, my sister moved to Brisbane from Canberra and she moved with her now husband up there. But, um, I'm sorry, Ellie, if this isn't correct, but I, I have uh, some sense of memory of her, you know, not struggling, but when she moved there, I feel like, you know, it might've been a bit hard for her when she was sort of first trying to find her feet, going to a new university, trying to make new friends. She obviously had some friends there, but like, I felt like when I came here, I was just like, Oh, it's just like when I come here to play shows, it's fine. Like I know tons of people I'm getting invited to things. There's shows I can go to. So I'll see all the people I know on the weekend anyway, even if I don't see them during the week, like, and then, again, that snowballed so much that I've lived here for a while now and I have a lot of friends here, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that's that's de- yeah, definitely an asset to being a part of this stuff, if anything. Um, but so, I guess, to sidestep from that, um, when did straight edge and stuff like that become something that took your fancy?
1: Um, so we kind of got into, like, Seeing live bands about like late no late two thousand five, mm-hmm. and then early two thousand six, like we'd been listening to like different bands like Throwdown and things like that. Yeah. So like we were I, I aware of this idea, and um being like as and I don't want to like keep harping on like the like the outsider idea or like the other idea, but being kids who like that kind of made sense to, um the idea of like drinking and doing. Stuff like that didn't really fit in, Mm -hmm. and like we kind of had a lot of energy anyway. Yeah, like we kind of were up to do things anyway. It was like a lot of people might be like, "Oh, you know, I'll have a few drinks and that'll cheer me up to go do this." Right, and we'd be like, "No, just like do it." More than dumb enough just to do things on our own merit, than (laughs) needing like alcohol or anything else to kind of tip us over. Like, yeah, (laughs) very much. Or just like. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I'll give it a crack. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That kind of comes with being young and dumb and not thinking ADHD. about the consequences <laughs> of your actions.
0: Because
1: like, so. yeah, I guess... You know, so then so about in February or March 2006, that kind of idea kind of like went from being like, oh, this, this thing that sounds good to a, oh, I, I think that really makes sense to me, so I think I'm going to start affiliating with that idea. Because, like, I really like it. And, like, even, like, when we were younger, like, I really liked bands like Linkin Park. Sure. And I had, like, cutouts on my wall and, like, interviews with them. And they'd talk about how, like, they don't swear in songs and they don't drink or they don't smoke or they don't do anything. And I always thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Because you grow up with, like, this, like, force fit idea of rock stars and, like, yeah. what rock music is. And, like lately i've come to appreciate that a lot more like bands like the doors and like led zeppelin i think they're really cool now but when i was a kid i was like man those bands are so shit all right. oh, those songs are so long and like <laughs> this idea of being a rock star is so stupid and yep. so self-destructive and it was something i didn't identify with mm-hmm. and i was just like oh it's like this idea of prefabricated rebellion and how is it being rebellious if it's the same thing your parents did yeah and i was like oh wait a minute like this other idea kind of makes a bit more sense and seems a bit more rebellious
0: and that's interesting i've never heard i've never thought of it that way in the sense that like the generation prior to us is like they were drugs and drinking and stuff and that like our rebellion could be not being a part of that um Yeah, that's, I mean, that's interesting. Sorry.
1: Um, (laughs) That's all right. Yeah, no, like,
0: I don't know, it's, and I I feel like this always comes up, probably because I drink a lot, and (laughs) I drink when I do these, but... um, Not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) No, no, I'm okay with it. It Tastes good, so I'm going to keep doing it. Um, But, uh, yeah, like, the, I don't know, the thing for me is that, like, I, and... The reason I asked, the reason I'm interested in doing it, I said it in the last one, I think, but that, like, I think most of the people I've done these podcasts with are probably, of the 30 I've done, I think more would be people who are straight-edge than not, <laughs> which is may just be a byproduct of being a part of the hardcore scene. But at the same time, is also um, <clears throat> one of those things that, like, I have a... definitely have a respect for it. I have an understanding of it, obviously being part of the scene. I have an understanding of it and, uh, I really admire people who stick to it and have their reasons for doing it. Um, but it's just something for me that's like, not that it's never clicked with me, but more that like, I guess my line with it all is that I never had any issues with grog really like i never my my parents didn't really drink i mean i i don't even like i'm sure she did but i don't even remember my mum drinking until i was like until i was able to drink which suggests (laughs) to me that she probably was drinking but just didn't want me to do it um but like it it, that sort of stuff didn't like ever come as like a, a problem thing for me i never saw it as something that affected anyone adversely like I was just like oh I guess it's just the thing some people do from time to time and then I was like oh I really like that so I'm gonna do it all the time <laughs> but um yeah anyway um so I guess was that something that was inherently what you wanted to involve with when you became involved with it obviously you named your zine Something that had ties to that particular <laughs> yeah. portion of subculture. Yeah, it's was but. very,
1: very, very subtle name. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what we've always done is involve ourselves in hardcore with our interests. Mm-hmm. So we've always liked straight edge stuff because it's what we've identified with. Yeah. So I think everything- we've always appreciated a gender as well. Yeah, we've always appreciated a gender, and like all, what we've always done is kind of push. An agenda, be it in a subtle way, be it in an overt way. But, like, the zane was, as we discussed, not exactly very subtle, mm. considering all we did was interview straight edge dudes. Predominantly straight edge uh, males or females. Yeah, male, like, straight edge people in bands, straight people, so in bands, like, around the planet, just to kind of show that. There is local people, there is international people. Like, this is spread out everywhere. This yeah. is not just, you know, some weird kids sitting in the bedroom. This is, like, a bigger thing than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of came from the need that our own want to show that we're not the only ones who are kind of like that. So from there, we're able to branch out and find more people. And I guess running a label, we've kind of put out... I couldn't... Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you how many releases are straight-edge, but a lot of them have... I, I think it's... We, with our own As ideas. we discussed earlier, like, with when you're within hardcore, there's a lot of people who are straight-edge, so if you put out hardcore band chats, uh, one of yeah, the members will be. Be straight edge, yeah. like, will be. Yeah, straight-edge, yeah. will be... Yeah, it's like, uh, if there's someone who's going to be a vegan or vegetarian. Like, it just... Yeah. Because of an, it's an alternate lifestyle that like people happen to live other alternate lifestyles.
0: Sure. Yeah, I don't think I've ever... I mean... Maybe I'm in one now, but I don't think I've ever been in a band since, I don't know, since I was stopped playing just solely death metal shows that hasn't featured someone who is vegan or vegetarian or straight edge or something, you Mm -hmm. know, defying some part of culture. (laughs) Unlike myself, just a filthy rat being, but, um, yeah, it's definitely obviously ever present in, if you're trying to do something like that. Um, so how what what was the impetus to start a label then? Was it just uh, further contribution or...?
1: Everything snowballed, really. Yeah, so we did a zine. So then the, the, the zine was just because we wanted to put out what we wanted to read. Mm-hmm. And then from doing the zine, talked to a lot of bands and then we were like, oh, while we're selling this zine that's got interviews with you, how about we get some of your music and then we can like sell that as well. And then we'd talk to bands and interview them and be like, oh... Well, you know, you mentioned in an interview that you're putting out new music. Are you looking for a label? And we're kind of toyed with the idea. And... We toyed with it. And in the in-between to that, when you talk to a lot of bands, like from local interstate, um, we had a band, Refrain from Perth, hit us up and say, yo, we're doing a run of East Coast Shows, and we need someone to book a show in Melbourne. Do you guys book shows? At that point, we'd never booked anything. Yeah. So we obviously replied back to them, fuck yeah, we'll book you a show. <laughs> like, yeah. we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we of course do this. <laughs> we do. Like, trust us. We honestly had no idea what we were doing mm-hmm. and just kind of jumped headfirst into it. Like... We made the flyer some cool, like, Chain of Strength rip-off because we're like, yeah, Chain of Strength's awesome. <laughs> like, how cool is that flyer? We, like, didn't focus anything at all about, like, running on the day. We have no idea how many people came. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't count. We didn't, like, mark anyone. <laughs> we didn't count how many people. And then people. It came the end, that we had to pay bands, and we were like, how much do you pay a band? Yeah. yeah, we were really worried because we were like, shit, like, these are some big bands. Because, like, we, like the first show was, so, Iron Mind, Warbrain, Refrain... Step Down, Right Mind, Ill Vision? yeah, Illusion, Ill Vision and I think that was it. I think it was the six. <laughs> six is a big show. Yeah, six we, is a big show. Sorry to anyone who came. That's oh, a big uh, show.
0: good first show, though, boys. Yeah, Pack it in big. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, we just kind of like, um, so we didn't also didn't know how to like. How do you ask a band to play a show? So, yeah. like one night, I happened to see Sam from Iron Mind sitting eating a kebab, and I was like, "Hey, man, does your band want to play a show?" And he was like, "Hey man, can't you see I'm eating?" And I'm like, "Yeah, fair one." (laughs) And so I kind of, I was like, "Yeah, I should probably like send him an email or something instead of just abusing around strangers." I "I can see you're doing something, but I have a proposition for you. (laughs) Um, So it was like it was a a lot of learning for us, and like, yeah, definitely a lot of learning. We don't have any musical background, so we're like, "Oh shit!" Like gear. What do you need for gear? Who needs that Yeah. Like, yeah. What does that do? Oh, do you, you need someone to, like, do sound? Oh, who do you get to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of trial by fire. Mm. And at the end of the day... We're, so like, those first couple of shows we ran were, like, all very interesting. And all the flyers were dog shit as well. Yep, yeah, Because we, we didn't know about sizing. Like, sure. the next couple of shows we ran... Um, I just kind of got pictures I thought were funny and made flyers I thought were funny. So I would... Just, I think one of them was a body camp flyer that was just had a picture of iced tea, and I was like, that's funny. Let's use this. Yeah, <laughs> I like iced tea and body camp. Yeah. Another one had Reprisal. It had nothing to do with Reprisal. I'd just been listening to Reprisal all week, and I was like, how fucking mad a Reprisal. Hopefully somebody comes to this show and talks to me about how good this band are.
0: How <laughs> good my flyer is. <laughs> And then we did, like,
1: one... Oh, as you can tell, we're always very subtle in our (laughs) interests. True. I mean, if you still want to come and talk to me about Reprisal, I'm more than happy to have that conversation.
0: Now you just have an audio version of your flyer, (laughs) effectively. (laughs) Please come and talk to me about Reprisal.
1: And we had, like, uh, one show that we put on had Ill Vision headline in. So I'm like, oh, you know what would be funny? Beastie Boys put our license to ill. So I just took that cover (laughs) and made some half-baked pun. Yeah, which actually turned out to be somewhat awkward timing. Somber, because MCA died that week. Oh my god. Yeah, Yeah, when we had a flyer that had it's time to get ill, (laughs) come see Ill Vision with the Beastie Boys ripoff. Yeah, sorry if that was disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we thought it was funny at the time. Yeah, before he died, we thought it yeah, was yeah, funny. We died, yeah, yeah, before he died. Yeah, we should clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, not to say that our flyers are good now. Like, now we have, like, Nicole, who's a, a fantastic help and incredibly good at art and understands how Photoshop works, mm-hmm. whereas I used Paint and Word. Yeah. Yep. Um, all the early zines we did and all the early flyers, most of the editing was done in Word. I would just crop it and print it and cut it and paste it. And just it like, change the, si- like the yeah. screen size or whatever. It was, like, it was a lot of trial and error. Like, the first scene we did, we were like, fuck yeah, this is going to look sick. So we cut everything out with like those bubble scissors. Oh, like, the, the curly like, ones? The, the zigzag ones. Because we yeah. were like, yeah, it's going <laughs> to look sick. The tiny little ones. Like, we have adult, well, hands. I would say a regular adult <laughs> size hands. Yes. Yeah. And using these tiny scissors that are made for children, mm-hmm. our fingers would get stuck. So you'd, you'd cut. <laughs> you'd spend hours cutting them out, and afterwards you'd go home with s- stuck fingers. Yeah, and oh like locked in like a claw. Yeah, <laughs> and then when we printed them, you couldn't even tell any of it was cut out with fun scissors because we didn't <laughs> think about background and how things photocopied. Yeah, we forgot that when thing you we thought was funny. print White on white, it just it comes just out. As it's together. White. Yes. So I think. There's only, like, a couple of spaces in the first scene where you can see that we've actually done it. If you look at, like, a live photo and, like, an answer is stuck on there because we just fucking stuck it on because we're idiots. <laughs> and you'll see that it's, like, got, like, this bubble around it. And that is the only way you can tell that we spent hours doing that stuff. Painfully
0: yeah. cutting these stupid things out. Well, now that I've heard that story, I appreciate <laughs> the so, yeah. We covered talking about, started talking about the label. Doing yep. those sort of things.
1: Yeah, the entrance into the label.
0: Um, where, where did sort of, where did your passion for that then really take off? Because it seemed for me like after noticing you guys booking shows and things, then it sort of, it was a quick sort of uh, turn into releasing things. Well, I don't know, maybe it was slower for you guys, but (laughs) as an outsider, it seemed to be something that you moved into pretty quickly. It
1: felt like an eternity because there's actually zine interviews with us where we talk about how one day we might start a label, but that's a money pit, so we don't want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little do we know that not even now six months later... Now that money pit later, is your reality. <laughs> yeah, that would be living life in the pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, um, uh, yeah. call is just a, a, a money sarlacc. Oh, uh, yeah. We are we are a Luke and we are walking out onto that planet. Oh <laughs> uh, we I think we're more we're more boba yeah, at, oh. at this point in time. The Sarek so, like, has well and truly gotten us. We are being digested <laughs> slowly, very slowly. Yep. hoping for dear life and that I'll jetpack or work and we'll just If you out. haven't seen Star Wars, <laughs> please go and watch it so you can understand
0: these references that are being made. <laughs> um <laughs> yep, so you're both poor now. Yeah. And how's yeah. that all going for you?
1: Yeah, that's all right. Like, it'd be nice to, you know, go... Well, last year we were fortunate enough um, to be able to, like, work a, a job. Mm-hmm. as. So, last year we... Um, really, really. Last year I did a consult job for yeah. a council and uh, the Bendigo Bank, which yeah, they needed we, help putting the Battle of the Bands on and Robert worked for the council at the time. So he's like, oh, I know a guy who could come down and, like... Because it was, like, this stupid meeting. It was called a young leaders' board, so I had to meet with representatives from 12 different schools, uh, a re- representative of the council and a Bendigo go bank. And they had to pick a goal, and their goal was to open a headspace centre. And to do that, they wanted to have battle the bands. So, like, Robert was like, oh, I know a guy who could... So they know, were they were having issues in... Like, they had created a group of young people. They had it all ready. But they were like, how do we actually run an event? Sure. As we discussed earlier, like, running an event, you're like, oh, yeah, like, there's stuff to do. But until you do it, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So they were like, oh, yeah, we need bands. But how do we get bands? Um, so they needed someone to, like, come in and put things together as well as be able to um, help guide them through that process. So I was like, oh, I, I happen to do that outside of work. Um, I know for work I can't really be involved in that but i happened to do with my brother i'm sure he could come in and they were like oh would he be able to come in and speak so michael came into a meeting and um so yeah i came into a meeting which i was told was i just meet with him for like half hour and just kind of like explain you know how we kind of do things which ended up being a dog shit two-hour meeting yeah of me explaining to people how like live events work (laughs) yeah Which ended with them saying, okay, that was a really impressive presentation. We would like to hire you now. How much are you per hour? Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was like a job interview, so I was kind of a bit taken aback by this. And especially when someone's like, we're going to pay you how much per hour. Anyone's ever run a hardcore show or an event with music, you know that there's no money involved at all. Yeah. Like if you play in a band, you might get some back, but you've spent probably like 10 times that to get... To get to the... Yeah. More so you get $50. You, your only payment is like the leftover soft drink from the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is no money in music. <laughs> so it's so someone's it. like, how much do you want an hour? It's kind of a uh, bewildering so. question. But over... Yeah, over the course of what, two months, three months? Yeah, over eight weeks, I almost failed uni because I just organized this stupid event for them instead, which had like... To give you an idea, I was, like, the guy who headlined made it to, like, the third round of, like, X Factor Australian Idol. So, right. it's, like, I'm dealing with all these, like, jabronis and their agents who are, like, yeah, I'm going to be the next big thing. You know, here's my appearance fee, And I was just, like, like fuck off. Like, I'm yeah. bigger on the internet than you are. You are a <laughs> piss <man>. hat. <laughs> like, do not
0: talk to me. That's a good way to respond. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, obviously, I, I couldn't say that to them. Instead, I just never paid them. So, uh, eat shit, I spent your money in Japan and it was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very good. Yeah, so because of that, we were able to put some money together to fly to Japan and, um, actually experience another culture. Sure. Um, and yeah, Japan is very different to Australian culture and it's really nice. Yeah. So if you get a chance, go to Japan. Yeah, we got to Um, see Unbroken, Strife and a whole bunch of, like, um, Japanese bands, which is really cool. We saw a band called Otis. They covered Disembodied and that was sick. We saw Loyalty to the Grave, who I didn't think much of on CD, we went live, they were actually really cool, yeah, they... and they covered Buried Alive, which none of us realised until the end of the song. Because they, they just... sing in Japanese the whole time, so yeah. Yeah. we were standing there like, oh man, this song's like really familiar, I really like it. Um, and then we are like, oh, this is Kill Their Past, it's because he's translated. just said Kill Their Past, Kill Their Past. <laughs> finally and like the red we got to see the red chord mm-hmm. we got to see expire we got to see code orange yeah got to see yeah, a band yeah. from france that was uh, yeah. not great but i mean it's cool that they were in, in japan doing as well. it yeah yeah, yeah um, we them. Good to see a bunch of japanese bands because see Enswick who are really cool we got to see numb mm-hmm. um yeah seeing numb was weird because it always looked at like the minds near numb split and we're like that's such a cool split yeah. Then like seeing it, was like, "Oh, cool!" Like I didn't think I would ever see a band who did split with a band from my city. Yeah, like, for sure. On the That's other side of the old. world. But like, in the the venues we went to, they were really cool. Like we saw Unbroken and Strife in a bar underneath a record store. That's the size of this room. Sure. Um, for people that can't see this room, I'd say it's probably like what. Four meters by like eight oh, maybe. standard
0: standard living room, yeah, adult living room size. <laughs> I think mean, it's bigger than four meters. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> I'm like, good at this. Like six it's meters. It's not a
1: shoebox. It's kind of like. No, just no to the house. It's a nice, nice room. Guys,
0: everyone knows this is a fucking great house.
1: <laughs> I, I imagine seeing a band at your local record store. If, if, if where, this, wherever this you live, room, your record this room stores. is
0: like comfortable podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I would watch a band in this room. So it's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like it was really cool. But the the part that was um, the coolest for us, I suppose, was the, the cultured shock. Mm-hmm. And you'd go to a show, and so standing there watching strife, and then. People would come in straight from work, so it's guys in suits and ties, stryfer on. They put down their briefcase, undo the tie a bit, and they are just going hammer and tong. Yeah, watching a dudes <laughs> spin kick in suits is sick. That's yeah. I would love to do it here, but it is way too hot in this country, <laughs> and I would look like an idiot. But it was just so insane that they just like switch off work mode. Like guys would come from work like eleven o'clock and now yeah. walk straight into watch the band play straight into the combat. Whereas here, like the only people who go straight to the front are just like punters, you just want to punish people. Mm -hmm. Whereas there, it's just like, dudes, you just like walk straight to the front, put the little bags down. And like the culture there was so nice as well. Like we, I think it was the code orange. I saw a guy just annihilate this poor girl in a sweet hate breed jumper. Um, (laughs) Really good jumper. And I felt so bad for her. And like here, when I see people annihilate each other, they're kind of like, ah, but there, like the guy, like, bowed at her and apologized and got a, a drink of water and sat down with her, and made sure he was okay, and then she was fine. And then he was just back in the combat zone. <laughs> and, like, just the this respect and reverence for each other was really nice. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah. Interesting. To it, was, it was really cool. I would love to go back. I, I bought a morning again jumper for $15. Yeah, Great. we, we bought a whole bunch. Good result. Yeah. It, like, Japan has a whole bunch of 90s records, which is amazing since there is very few record stores in this country with stock hardcore records. Yeah. There is even fewer that would stock anything. Like, the only th- like 90s-related shit you're going to find is like, like some old Mindsnet record. Or, like, Victory... Yeah, or like, represses. a Victory repress. Like, you're going to yeah. find, like, uh, some, like, Path of Resistance repress or, like, a Satisfaction repress. Like, you're not going to find... Any obscure shit where you're just like, oh, what is this? Whereas in Japan, everywhere. There's also, like... I I think we went to, like, 14 record stores across three days. Yeah, we... All in the... Then that that was all in the one city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Uh, was all in Shinjuku and Shibuya. Apologies if I pronounced them wrong. Oh, fun, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that many else. Japanese people listen to. This oh, it, if it, they do, sorry. Yeah, apologies, but yeah. Either way, your country's mad. We love it. So <laughs> we just can't pronounce it because we are ignorant Westerners. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Well, yeah, because we really, we most people plan holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, oh, that'd be really funny to go to, and then we kind of had this job and we're like, oh, flights are really cheap at the moment. We could fly in and stay like just a week and like it wouldn't put too much of a dent in our savings like we were so unorganized for the trip to the point of we were booking accommodation for the next day at 2am that night so we'd, we'd walk 12 to 14 hours a day walk in drop our bags walk out to a different hotel and be like can we have a room tomorrow because mm. we had booked nothing, so <laughs> maybe, yeah, we literally yeah. had booked no hotels at all, and it was just ah, well, like, <laughs> I just want to relax, and we'll work it out when we get there. So we stayed in lots of different hotels, and some of them were completely not so great. Yeah, and then one of them was like super nice and it had oh yeah, yeah the, the one, nice one was like, really the, the, nice so, so like this weird bath that had jets going everywhere and it massaged you yeah lots like, lots of buttons and like the, the, the toilet robo toilets you see on TV more buttons <laughs> than an arcade it was messed up it's I, all the experience of yeah, travel, so. yeah it was good like it was great I if you get a chance, travel overseas. um Hardcore rules, traveling overseas rules. So combining the two is fantastic. What? And we were able to meet people overseas who are like, "Oh, are you so and so from Australia?" And we're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. um And so we we're able to have conversations about some of the things we do in Australia, sure, in Japan, and they'd be like, "Oh, I really like you know this band that you've worked with or." or you know, I saw that you were involved. Since we were fortunate enough to be involved in like break the ice, to be like, oh, I saw you, you know, break the ice. That was really cool. I'd love to go to something like that. Yeah, I would be like, what the fuck? Like, I'm broken. Played yesterday, like, yeah, yeah, that's mad. Like, yeah, break the ice is like no, like break the ice is fantastic, but
0: mm. I mean, you know, it's a different thing when you're a part of it and stuff. Like yeah.
1: that.
0: um, so I guess what's your what's the goal, sort of ongoing then with the label and things like that where do you see things going do you have a plan for anything or is it just oh, well, sort of do what you want to do the plan is world domination
1: mm. like that's um, that's from the start clearly uh, yeah um, clearly uh, Like I'm glad I caught about- <laughs> glad I caught you guys before that you know started rolling <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: along we lot of Transformers as kids so very influenced by Megatron and his plans <laughs> for world domination yeah. Um, so we have learned from him. Mm-hmm. So we're soon going to be selling records for Energon Cubes. Ah, you can good. start stockpiling those. If you've got any, it'd be fantastic. Hit them up. Um, yeah. Love that. And then, yeah, so. I think next, I don't think we've ever put a finish point on it because we don't really put a finish point on anything. Like, we didn't really finish the zine. Yeah, There's we finished on seven point five. An issue we did and we're gonna do another full issue and by that point we're just like fuck it, it's so much effort and we like to do a zine you spend so many hours cutting and pasting the writing questions. And if you're and really good at that people. it's like it's fine. But when yeah. you know, as we talked about earlier, not the best. Yeah, dexterity. If it's your passion G- then great, it's great. great with
0: children's scissors. But <laughs> if you're
1: like two idiots who use children's scissors uh-huh. to make your hand into some immovable claw for two days. <laughs> like you're probably gonna I wouldn't say outgrow it, but your passion's like elsewhere. Like we can do a zine and we can sell fifty copies or we can book a show and get sixty people. Like the impact we found from doing shows and other things was a lot greater compared to the But also the interactions with. that we were able to have because of that. So we could put out a zine and we might have like four or five conversations around it we can put on a show and have maybe 10 or 15 conversations with people about what's been happening or how they enjoyed it so for us it's more about interaction and communication and like the spread of ideas and agenda like we sure. touched on earlier we've always really appreciated agenda and we've always liked bands that push agenda no matter like whatever it is it's always for us more interesting for a band to have something than to have nothing mm-hmm. and that's not to say that you know i, I there's many, many bands I like that every song is pure tripe and about absolutely nothing. Sure. But then there's other bands that I'm like, I really, they, these ideas really resonate with me. Like you can chuck on a Chokehold record or a Trial record or a Morning Again record or an Earth Crisis record and you can be like, oh, some of these ideas, I don't really agree with all of them. Some of these ideas I do really agree with. But just to hear those that discussion is sure. really interesting. So Yeah.
0: So is that something that you would inherently associate with the label then, uh, uh, like a, a way of providing voice for those ideas as well then?
1: Yeah, I think the label has always set out to be an extension, an extension, so of ourselves, and we like to base a lot of our own ideals within the label. So we're both straight edge, we're both vegan, we're both feminists. So bands that have ticked any of those boxes or all of the above. We've often said, "Hey, you know, would you like to work together?" Mm-hmm. So we've always tried to make it relevant to our interests. Like, there's some bands where we're all like, "That person rules. I want to work with their band." Yeah. Like, Whereas other bands, who will be like, "Whoa, did you read? You know, that lyric sheet. And this song's about that. And that's so fucking cool." there's other bands, that are like, "Oh, like that mosh part was real cool. Like that other song was really good. Like it was a combination of the both." Yeah. So. Yeah, so we like, we really like ideas, but we also like, uh, I think one thing that Huckle has as well is like that real like, Neanderthal presence about it. Mm-hmm. So you can have a shitty day and just throw on like a stupid CD and be like, yeah, Jamie Jester, i I, you know. I agree with your and, output. Yeah, Inspire like, me. my yeah. doom does await me <laughs> like, when I wake up, the real nightmare does begin. Correct. Uh, <laughs> um, if you can't save me, then who can save <laughs> me?
0: Someone has to be able to. Um, well, I think that's pretty good. What do you do? You have anything you want to advertise? Uh, spook to yeah. the world,
1: spook. Um, as this podcast has gone to air, um, the band in which we sing in uh, X has put up a new song called "Soldiers of the Natural Order." which is dedicated to all, all of those who, um, to use, direct action and... who use direct action to intervene uh, to save the lives of animals and all the other uh, badass stuff that comes with that. It's mm-hmm. especially about uh, Sea Shepherd. Um, that's on a compilation put out by Don't Need You Records. Uh, that The aim at a comp is to put all or as many of the newest bands in the country all in one place. And uh, I think Nicole has done a really good job of that because too often new bands will get overlooked because one or two will get jocked and then the other 10 no one will give a shit because they're not the right people from the right city all of that jazz sure so it's cool to see so many uh new bands being put together from different people from different scenes different sounds Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of different sounds on there a lot of different ideas so that's cool so um that is called life at the bottom it's uh, play on words Robert came up with for a comp last year which never happened yeah. so I got reused for this um, so if you want to pick that up it is on the don't need you big cartel ban- yeah, if you want to stream it it's on bandcamp don't need you records bandcamp I think it might just be don't need you or you oh, can uh, google it google, yeah, google it google, google all your of those friend. words in yes order, if you can understand work. our uh, strange accents please feel free to google those words <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, I guess uh, keep your eyes fixed to Life Regret Records Facebook page slash Instagram slash Tumblr Tumblr yeah we, we got have Tumblr we have a an email was that your safe list. word? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's an in joke <laughs> <laughs> podcast listeners so. uh, we have a, 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 an email list as well that I've used twice yeah. um, but you can always sign up for that but yeah, keep an eye on our internet we have a lot of things coming up to announce that Hopefully you'll all be interested in. Yeah, we um, have six releases coming up in the next six months. I guess six months. They range from a mixtape tape to a flexi to an LP to a split with a local and international band to a seven inch for an international band. For an LP uh, for a local band. But yeah, there's a lot.
0: So a lot to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah, There's
1: a lot of different things, as we discussed earlier in the metaphor of Boba Fett and the Sarlacc, where you're just getting (laughs) chewed and chewed and chewing. Throwing our money into a monster. uh, Speaking of uh, money pits and the Sarlacc, we also have some new X jerseys coming next week. (laughs) If you happen to dislike Summer... Or happen to like sports. If you have a hatred of sleeves and you just want to show off those arms you've been working on all winter, <laughs> yeah. we've got you covered. <laughs> straight-, <laughs> straight edge or not, it doesn't matter. They look good on anyone. Yeah, they are right. a beautiful royal blue with a white over the top. And I would really appreciate if you bought them as I paid for them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you good. enjoy Life Sentence Records, it's a ripoff of their logo. So, for the three people on planet Earth who will get the reference, <laughs> thank you for existing. Hopefully, hopefully it was one of them. One of those three podcast. people listens to this. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, also, I want to say uh, thank you to 7 Eleven and $1 Nuts. Oh, yes. Almonds. $1. $1 smoked almonds. Uh, no, smoked almonds, it's regulars. Ah, can you say Either way, we, appreci- we appreciate both. Natural almonds. Natural uh, almonds. Whatever, I'm True. wrong. Uh well thank you to uh seven eleven again because at the moment they've got the coconut water, the chocolate one, for two dollars. Um it tastes like chocolate custard. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's vegan and it's fantastic. Uh thank you to uh Baraka yep. um, for fueling you guys for, for this conversation. Getting us uh, very geared up for this conversation. So, sorry you if we've rambled. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for our rambling. Thank you for having us and an listening pleasure. to our incoherent story of existence.
0: Thank yeah. you for coming and talking on my podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we apologize to anyone who's made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Well, thanks, guys.